over this sanctuary, give him praise tonight. He's worthy. Beautiful anointing of the Holy Ghost in here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you tonight, and we exalt and magnify you above all other. You are the Christ. You're the Lord. You're the King. You're the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. You're the Prince of Peace. We love you tonight, and we acknowledge your presence in this place as we gather together in your name. Lord, we honor you tonight and exalt you above all other in Jesus' name. We greet you tonight in Jesus' name. Thankful to see you all in the house of the Lord on this absolutely beautiful Sunday afternoon. Amen. Thank you for choosing Spirit and Truth Worship Center to be your place of worship tonight. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing and worshiping a beautiful anointing of God's presence. Some of you all may have been in the presence of royalty. Maybe you all have been in the presence of high-ranking government officials. Some of you all may have shaken hands with the president. Some of you all may have been in the presence of great men, great women. But I'm telling you tonight, we have the opportunity to come into the presence of the Most High God. And tonight, He's the one that can change our lives. You know, if we know a few names, we can name drop. And if we know a few people, we can get them to help us out in times of trouble. But there's no God like my God. There's no Lord like my King. And I am thankful tonight that we have opportunity in this sanctuary to not only feel His presence, but to be able to take His presence home with us tonight. Amen. So tonight we greet you thankful to see you in the house of the Lord. we got some good stuff going on tonight. Uh, we've got uh, uh, two young people from our, Eli and Ethan from Tri-State Christian Academy getting baptized, and Brother Mike Staruska is getting baptized tonight as well. We've got two more, uh, Xander and Cody. It's going to be baptized. They're coordinating with their family on, on timing and things, and we're going to get with them in, in a day or so. But we're excited about what's happening today. And if, if, I could just, if I could just make a maybe a bold boast tonight, I dare say there's nothing more important in Claiborne County going on than what's going on in the churches tonight. Could I, amen? I believe that. I believe there's nothing. The Super Bowl does not hold anything on what's going on in here tonight. And and you family members are just going to have to talk to your family members on them choosing tonight. I didn't choose this night. They chose this night. So if you're missing the 49ers and maybe you got a good recorder, I don't know. Amen. Hey, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 9. I want to read from verse 15 and 16. It's unique that Brother Wade Phipps opened service tonight speaking of the Apostle Paul. And before we were introduced to him as the Apostle Paul, we knew him as Saul, his Hebrew name. And as we look into Scripture, this is where I wanted to start tonight, this is a, something the Lord laid on my heart concerning him. 
the story goes that he was a individual that persecuted the church, the Christians. He said he was a Hebrew of the Hebrew, a Pharisee. He was blameless according to the Mosaic law. He was steeped in tradition, rituals, and he could not find Jesus Christ or find a place for him in his religion. Amen. That's the reason they crucified the Messiah because they could not find a place for him in their religion even though he was the chief cornerstone. Amen. And the apostle, we call him the apostle Paul, but as he went by Saul, thought he was doing God a great favor and a great work being done by his hands by doing whatever it took to stop the name of Jesus from being preached. Out of reverence to the Word of God, would you stand with me? Now, I didn't tell you to wear the shoes you wore today. I, uh, that's on you, so if, if they're uncomfortable, I, I, I just want us to reverence the Word of God being read tonight. Acts chapter 9, verse 15, but the Lord said. Now, who's talking? The Lord said. Luke writes the, the book of Acts, so Luke is recording the conversation that is given to him by Ananias. Ananias is a worker of the Lord. He's the one that's going to baptize the apostle Paul. He's the one that's going to lay hands on him and pray for him, and the scales are going to fall off his eyes, and he's going to be able to see. But the Lord said, Go forth, go, for Saul is a chosen instrument. Not one person in the church saw Saul as a chosen instrument. They saw him as a torment. They saw him as a great hindrance. They saw him as somebody that is destroying what God's trying to build. But in the eyes of God, he looks at this man that's tormenting the church. He speaks to a servant of his and he said, Go, for Saul is a chosen instrument to take the message of the Gentiles and to kings as well as the people of Israel. Verse 16, take note of this verse. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Pray with me tonight. Father, we humble ourselves before your presence. We acknowledge your anointing in this sanctuary. We acknowledge that you are with your people tonight. You inhabit the praise of your people. And tonight I humble my mind before you and ask you, God, that you would grant us words of wisdom and words of knowledge, that you would move and remove distractions from our mind and allow us all to be able to focus and be able to receive what the Spirit, what the Word is saying unto us tonight. Let every individual leave here tonight knowing they've been in the presence of an almighty King. Bless, Lord God, from your abundance, and we love you. Honor you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. You know, we love the thought of being used by God. Anybody that's in church and, and wanting to do something for the kingdom of God, they love the thought of being used by God. We love the thought of doing something for the king. When Saul was bound by tradition, and he was, bound up by the rituals of his denomination. He could not even recognize Jesus when he was on his way to a city called Damascus, right? 
The story reads to us out of the book of Acts, Luke giving us this history story of the Apostle Paul in his former relationship and ministry as Saul. He's on the road to Damascus, and the Bible says he hears a voice. And he's blinded, and scales are over his eyes. And it tells us that he asked this all-important question. He said, who are you? Right? Steeped in tradition of the Mosaic law, in the Pharisee religion, he's persecuting the church. And he asked the all-important question. He said, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus. And did you know at that revelation, at that moment, he gets a revelation of Jesus Christ, and we do not see where he persecuted the church ever again, nor did he wrestle with the revelation. If you look into Scripture at that moment, he said, what will you have me to do? He submitted himself to the authority that was speaking to him that day. He said, I am Jesus. He submitted to that anointing at that moment and said, what will you have me to do? He submitted and became a chosen instrument for King Jesus. Amen. Take great note of the fact that verse 16 was written to Ananias and not Paul. You realize that tonight, that that verse is to Ananias and not to Paul. Because he instructed Paul or Saul to go to a street called Straight and there would be one that met him and he would tell him what he needed to do. So as we look in here, he doesn't always speak of how he's going to get Joseph to Egypt, right? Have you, have you ever been around people that they were not so forthcoming with information? Nobody in here? Just my wife. Amen. You've been around people that they didn't always tell you everything. Let me give somebody some information tonight. God doesn't always tell you everything. He may have a plan for your life and he may have a plan for your tomorrow, but he's not always forthcoming with information. He didn't tell Joseph he was going to the pit. He just told him that brothers are going to submit to you. He didn't tell him he was going to prison. He just told him his whole family is going to come and bow down before him. Amen? So some things that if God told us the truth about, we would probably take a step backwards and say, Don't, I'm not signing up for that. But God doesn't always disclose all information when he gives us a calling in our life. He doesn't go into great detail with Abraham. He just simply told Abraham his children would be in bondage for 400 years. But he didn't tell him all the details of how it was going to work out and how everything was going to play out. He just simply told him that. You know, there's been many a people that have stopped their relationship with God and stopped short of a miracle. Amen? 
There's been people that were on their way to seeing a great move of God, but yet because they got weary in the way, they gave up and they bailed out on God. I believe that everybody that came out of Egypt could have marched directly into the land that was promised, but yet they bailed out midway because they could not stand the pressure and God was not forthcoming with all information of how these things are going to play out. I was listening to, some of you all may not know the name, many of you may not know the name, but years ago he was just simply Pastor Nathaniel Wilson. And today we know him as Dr. Bishop Nathaniel Wilson with a great move and work going on in in California with the university and and pastoring or, or bishoping a church and just great things, but I remember listening to him years ago, and he gave a story of a time when he first began to pastor the church, and the pressure was mounting, and and hardship had come, and things were going on in his life, and he said he walked into the sanctuary, Brother Mays, and he stood before the presence of God, and he said, God, if it's going to be this way, I quit. Amen. He never saw the university that was going to have his name on it. He never saw the great church that's going to be built. He never saw the many lives that's going to be impacted. He never saw all the things that God had in his plan. He saw the problem. He saw the struggle. He saw the battle that's going on. Let me give somebody information tonight. If God has placed a calling in your life, you've got a battle coming your way. If you've got a calling in your life and God's wanting to use you, you might as well put on the whole armor of God because hell is going to rage and the enemy is coming to stop you. I need somebody to understand tonight that because God does not give you all information does not mean that God has abandoned you. In Exodus chapter 14 I could get a little bit more monitor up here. I'm struggling brother. Just a little bit on, on, on the fronts would be great. Amen. Exodus chapter 14, verse 4, and once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Could you all, could you all read that one line with me? Once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. None of you probably have ever been to a courtroom and had to stand before a judge, but if you have been, I dare say you are praying the prayer, God, let me find favor in the eyes of the judge. I dare say you're praying the prayer, God, soften the heart of this officer right now. Blue lights are, right, are, are behind you and you're praying, God, let me find favor in this individual's eyes. Here's the story. Once again, I will, God speaking, harden Pharaoh's heart. He will chase after you. I have planned this in order. Get with me now. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. Verse 5, when word reached the king of Egypt that Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. 
Why did they change their minds? Because God hardened his heart. The last thing I want is someone chasing me. Amen. The last thing I want is an enemy on my heels. I don't need somebody chasing me all around the wilderness that has more power than I I do. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled Pharaoh, his officials changed their mind. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariots or his chariot and called up his troops. Could you take note of verse 7 with me? He took with him 600 of what? Egypt's best. So not only do they have chariots chasing after them, they have the elite. They have the best. They have his secret service. They have his special forces. They have the SEAL team. They have whatever it was called at that day. They had the best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with his commander. Can you picture with me tonight in your mind's eye? This is the worst fear coming true. Did you know these people have been beaten down for 400 years by this man or by this system? Not all of them at one time maybe, but over the course of 400 years, they've got the horror stories, they've got all the slave stories, they've got all the beating stories, they've got all the abortion stories of him throwing children into the river. He's, they've got all these stories, and now the worst case scenario, the worst fear they could think of is coming true. This is an impossible situation that the people are in and the unique part of this story God said I will harden can you imagine that for a moment with me they were okay but God said let's stir an enemy up amen hey we're going somewhere with God Hey, we've, got, we've, we've escaped the bondage of sin in this world and we're going somewhere and God says you need an enemy. I'm pretty, pretty sure I'm okay on my own. Amen, I don't need somebody chasing me around. I don't need somebody nipping at my heels. I don't need somebody with 600 elite soldiers, chariots and all the other chariots, all the other horsemen and all the other footmen coming after me. I'm okay where I'm at, but God said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And if we can ever get it in our mind, if we can ever get it in our spirit, this is not about your comfortable state of mind, but this is about the glory of God. Amen. Can we accept that tonight? This whole service is about the glory of God. It's not about me being comfortable or uncomfortable. It's not about my time and my stay, but it's about the glory of God. It's about His kingship, His lordship, His sovereignty, Him being enthroned. 
So he looks into this situation and he said, I'm going to deliver you, but I'm also going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Our prayers, God, let us find favor. God, I don't want an enemy. You know how many times I ask God to rebuke the enemy? You know how many times I ask him to stop the mouth of the devourer? You know how many times I pray during the course of a week, God, stop the mouth of the lions? Amen. I'm praying that prayer, God, don't let the enemy encroach into my territory. Don't let the enemy have access to my family. I'm praying that every all the time. God, keep us in your care. And sometimes God just simply says, ah, you need an enemy. You need, you need to be chased a little bit. Can we get a revelation tonight that sometimes we don't need the deliverance of Jesus? We don't need for things to go right. But we need to see the hand of God in a miracle. That's a wise move on your part. Not shouldering that and said, yes, right? You stood a little silent on that. But sometimes God knows best. Can we get an amen on that? God knows best. His ways are not our ways. His ways is above our ways. And we sit in this comfortable place tonight. and We sit on padded pews tonight. We're, we, are, we know that we've... Things are, things are beautiful tonight in the sanctuary, but we don't know what tomorrow holds, but God does. Sometimes it is God that is fanning the fire. We're playing, praying God deliver, God deliver, and God's fanning the fire. Man, you ever got down on your knees and you're trying to get that fire to go and you're blowing? You got a little bit of a spark there going and you're trying to blow a little bit more air on it and get a little bit more flow and get that fl- sometimes God is the one that's fanning the fire and we're praying God deliver God set me free God help me out here we need to accept and have faith that everything in our life is not going to be comfortable but that doesn't mean God's left me amen God hasn't left me If we can look into our own life, I'm telling you tonight, there's been times in my life it seems as if God took took a step back and I couldn't find him. It seems like sometimes God wants to play hide and seek and I'm calling on his name and I'm not hearing and I'm reaching for him and I'm not feeling I'm seeking, but I'm not finding. And I know very well the Scripture says, seeking you shall find. But there's days in my life, and there will be days in your life, if you've not experienced, that God seems to take a step back from you, and you can't find out where God's at. That's when we step out on faith, and so I know my Redeemer lives. Is that what Job said? He said, I know I'm going to see him. I know this. I know this. And whenever we look into the Scripture, we have to stand upon that foundation of the Word that is forever settled in heaven and know my God is still with me because there's going to be days you can't talk to him and hear him. You can't feel after him and experience him. Amen. And that's when faith has to step up because his ways are far above our ways. And if you're going to be an instrument 
He said, he is a chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles. If you're going to be an instrument for the king of kings, you need to know up front this means war. Let, let me say that again. Let that resonate through this congregation this morning or this afternoon. If you're going to be used by God, you need to know up front hell will rage. You need to know up front this will be war because he's not going to give up territory and he's not going to let you have revival just because you said I'm a Christian, but he's going to fight against everything that you're standing for and he's going to try to take you out of service before you even get started. He's going to send his 600 chosen chariot into your house and into your family to try to kill you before you can ever get started where you need to be. If we could place ourselves in this day with Moses and the other people, they had some faith because they left Egypt. Amen? They left everything familiar to them and walked away from it. If you have ever quit a job without having another one to go to, you can place yourself in there. Because when they walked out of Egypt that morning... They left their homes and walked away from them. They only took what they could carry out of camp. They left everything. They left their jobs, which for the men they were slaves. But they left what they had for 400 years. They had worked in that place, built things up. It belonged to them, whatever it might be. And they walked away from it and left it. And now, as they've walked away from everything familiar, they realize 600 chariots, horsemen, all the army was pursuing them. Saint of God, this is not a democracy with Pharaoh. Amen? Not a democracy. They're not going to get him for war crime. They're not going to bring charges against him. There's no, not going to be any litigation. There's not going to be a jury. There's not going to be a trial. Whatever Pharaoh says, that's what's going to happen. So they understand that this is the most powerful man they've ever experienced. Now, I told you some few services back that Moses was actually the most powerful Amen. Moses was really the most powerful. Pharaoh just had the crown or he had the, he had the title. But it was really Moses that was calling the shots here. We don't want this in our life. We don't want to be in this situation. We never want to hear the footsteps of the chariots that is chasing us. But there may be a day in your life you need this message. There may be a day in your life you need to hear from the Lord. There may be a day in your life that you need some of this so you can accept that God had a plan. Amen. He had a plan before they ever came out of Egypt. He'd already talked to Abraham about it. He already had a plan. He already had a plan to harden Pharaoh's heart. He already had a plan for everybody around to see his glory. And these people had to stand there with the Red Sea in front of them and a chariots 
behind them and they wanted to know what are we going to do. Exodus chapter 14 verse 13, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Stand still, watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, was this faith? Was this faith on Moses' part? To tell all the few million people to stand still? They're crying out, what are we doing here? We're going to die. Egypt's coming after us. Red Sea in front of us. What are we going to do? And Moses stands firm on the foundation of faith. Don't be afraid, stand still, watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Can you accept that in your spirit that there is a time what you're wrestling with, God can handle, God can deal with, and God can remove it. The problems you've got right now that you're dealing with, if you turn them over to the Lord and faith as Moses told them, stand firm on faith and see the work of God The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Verse 15, Then the people said to Moses, Why are you crying? Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? I don't know about you, but I thought that was a great time to cry out. I don't know about you, but I thought that was an excellent time to cry out unto the Lord when 600 chariots are chasing me. Good time, God. Good time to cry out to you. And God's saying, why are you crying to me? If we could just get in our spirit what's already in our possession... If we could just get in our spirit, we've got what we need right now to have victory. And sometimes we wander around like a head with his chicken cut off. Is that the way that goes? Right? And we just walk around, stumbling around, wondering what we're going to do tomorrow. How are we going to do this today? And God's wanting to know, why are you crying out to me? Notice this. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Could I help somebody out tonight? You need to go ahead and move on into your victory. You need to to go ahead and move on in to what God has already planned for you. You can't stay in the wilderness and wonder if you're going to die. You're going to have to move out of the valley that has the shadow of death. You're going to have to move out of where you're at right now and just keep going in your relationship with God as if he's already taking care of the problem. Verse 16, pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Moses, you've already got in your possession what you need. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. Let me reaffirm the fact. I'm going to harden their heart. They're going to chase you, Moses. Pick what you've got up and use it. So can we get a revelation? God wants the world to see his glory. Brother Morgan, God could have moved before Daniel went to the lion's den, but he chose not to. 
Saints of God, he could have moved before the three Hebrew men that was with Daniel was thrown into the furnace, but he chose not to. We don't see where he opened his mouth. We don't see where he spoke. We don't see where there was a great shaking of the furnace. We don't see where anything of this was taking place. We see no signs of God moving until he got them into the fire and then they said, wait a minute, we see we see four. And Daniel says, God has sent an angel and closed the mouth of the lions. You need to have an assurance Amen. That God is going to work on your behalf. And that comes through a relationship. That, that's not something we just pick up overnight and say, well, I think it's right. This is coming through a relationship. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will change they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh, his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. Verse 18, when my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory, know that I am the Lord. Let me ask you tonight, we've got people in here that want to work in the kingdom of God. You want to do something for the glory of God. You want to work. You want to be about the business of the Father. Let me ask you tonight, are you wanting to be comfortable or are you wanting to see the glory? Because those two don't always go together. Amen. Those two don't always go together. Sometimes you being comfortable and you seeing great things does not go together. There's a story, an article that was written years ago. Written as truth. I can't verify it. But it said years ago before people traveled by planes and all of that, the main mode of transportation for cargo was trains. And they said that at one point before salmon was so popular among restaurants that people ate cod. And they were primarily caught on the East Coast. The people on the West Coast said, we, we would really like to have cod. Commercial fishermen really wanted to sell it. So they put it on trains, on ice. Shipped it all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast. They got it there and they said, this is stale. It don't taste the same. They said, well, let's build large tanks, put them on there, we'll keep them alive. Said they shipped them all the way across the country, got them over there, they ate them, and they said it still doesn't taste the same. There's something different about this. So they were alive, but they weren't fresh. There was something still about them. And they were going to close down shipping of the cod, and they said, the article read that the natural predator to, co to cod was catfish. And they said they took catfish and put them into the tanks with the cod. And they were on the move all the way across the United States. And when they got there, they filleted them, they ate them, they said these are fresh. 
You know, sometimes you can sit on a padded pew and you're alive, but you're not fresh. You're alive and you're a little bit stale. And what we need tonight in Jesus' name is somebody to be fresh in the anointing and the power of God. We need somebody tonight that's still a light under this dark world, still a, a, a move of the Holy Ghost moving in your life. Amen. Stand with me. Exodus chapter 14, verse 19 through 22. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel Can you take a moment and get in this scripture with me? If you read first chapter 14, the people were scared. They wanted to go home. They wanted to go back to what was familiar to them. Two years ago, I think it was two years ago, I went to Luther Luckett, Sister Miracle and I, the prison just north of Louisville, picked up a friend of mine. He'd been in prison for almost 14 years. And I talked to him, maybe not on a weekly basis, but often I would talk to him. And he would ask me to pray for him. Major depression. He'd pray, pray for me. I'm afraid I'm going to die in here. He was tormented. Fear. Very rough place people in there for life people in there for murder people in there for all different types of crime and he's in that place and he's not comfortable and he's praying God let me get out God let me get out God let me get out I talked to him and he said you know the first thing I want to do when I get out of here is go get me a big hamburger I just want to sit down and eat a big hamburger and I said we'll do it and he called me and he said, hey, I'm being released this day at this time. Will you come get me? We showed up. Went through all the security points. I went in, waited on him on the, in the foyer area. And he got out and he came and we put him in the car and we were driving home. We stopped at a nearby restaurant to eat a hamburger and he was so nervous constantly looking around, constantly checking everything. And he was so nervous, he never enjoyed that at all. And we got almost back to Bell County, and he made this statement. He said, I wish I was sitting on my bunk back in Luther Luckett. He was so uncomfortable because it wasn't familiar. I hate that place. I don't want to be in that place. I want to be away from that place. But that place is familiar. And that's where these people that came out of Egypt, they didn't want their children slaughtered. They didn't want abortion. They didn't want their baby boys to be thrown into the Nile River. They didn't want to lose their family. They didn't like the whips. They didn't want to be beat. But th that was familiar. They knew what tomorrow was going to be like. Can I ask you tonight to trust God when He calls you out of what is familiar to you? Can I ask you to trust God tonight when life's not comfortable for you that God is wanting to bring you to a new level of faith and you're going to see glory that you've never seen before? If you will trust God, He has a plan for your life. Notice this because they're wondering, how's this going to work out? How's this going to work out? And God's saying, get the people moving. 
Moses, you've got in your hand what you need to do the job. Just do what you know to do. But the whole time there was an angel of God with them. There was a cloud with them. Verse 19, the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The enemy's not going to get close to you. Is that all right? He had the best of the best. He had the elite force. He had the seals. He had the best of the best chasing them. And God told the angel, he said, you go back in between. You go back in between. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelites' camp. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea. The Lord opened up a path through the water with a strange east wind. The wind blew all the night turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. What seemed possible, what seemed impossible, became possible. Moses, what you need is in your hand. Just raise that stick that God's ordained. You know, whenever they had 5,000, the disciples said, send them away. And Jesus said, let's feed them. And the few small fish the little boy had was all they needed. You know, the lady, when Elijah showed up to her house, said, I've only got a small amount of meal. But did you know that was all she needed? What God's wanting you to do is invest in your miracle. Amen. What God's wanting you to do is put to work what you've got and trust Him with the rest. Use what you've got. Instead of making excuses why you can't, use what you have in your hands. And let God do the rest. Somebody in here maybe be going through some difficulties. God's not answering. God's not showing up. I remember a time in my life when I prayed like crazy. I was faithful to church. I'd counsel with people. They'd talk to me. Not one thing helped me. I was, I was tormented. I was struggling. I was, I was hurting. I was doing an inventory of my life because I knew I'd sinned the sin that had turned God away from me. I'd sinned the sin of death. I'd done all this. I was going through an inventory. God, what have I done? Because I cannot find you. I cannot feel you. I cannot hear you. laid my floor and cried people would say oh you're doing good you're doing good I wasn't doing good on the inside I might have been good on the outside I might have been at the house of God I may have been faithful in everything that I had been faithful in but in, inside me I was struggling bad 
And I was crying one night. And I don't know how long this lasted. But I was crying one night and the Lord spoke to me. And I knew, I knew immediately that God's hand was in this whole thing. I thought it was all me. I've, I've wronged God too much. He's turned away from me. He's left me because of me. I'm, I'm messed up too bad. But I believe it was God because it was before I started preaching and I was just getting into church. But God was wanting to know, do you really want me? Or are you comfortable sitting on a pew? Because you can sit on a pew... Everybody will pat you on the back and you're doing great, but do you really want me? Because I'm about, I'm about to step back from you and I'm going to test you to see if you really want to seek me because if you're comfortable without me, then you can sit on a pew. But if you can't live without me, you're going to have to search and you're going to have to seek and you're going to have to trust and you're going to have to get after me because I want you to find me. Amen. But if I'd have been comfortable and said, I'll learn to live without him, I would have never stood in this pulpit. I would have never preached this message tonight. But there was something on the inside of me that said, I cannot live like this. I've got to have the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. I want you to be comfortable, but I also want you to pray tonight. I want you to seek after God. God laid this message on my heart for a reason, and I want you to reach out to him, and I want you to know that if you feel like the 600 elite chariots are chasing you, you better get yourself into the will of God and know he's got a plan. It may very well be him that's hardened the heart of the enemy. It may be that you're not going to find comfort today, that he's going to let you see his glory in him healing you when you are sick or delivering you when you are financially stressed or going through something that you can't control, and he's wanting to show you he has control and he has power. Would you pray with us tonight? Would you come? Let's, let's, let's find us a place and let's entertain this anointing presence of the Lord. Thank you. 